Hi there, let's talk sports fans. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Football. Um, I'm joined by my co-host Rojo for our first episode of the year. Thanks for joining me, Rojo. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me back. And a happy Christmas, New Year, everything for all the holiday folks. Because we've been off for two weeks, mainly because, you know, the world had holidays on Friday this year. Or are the they were they were close to Friday. They were like Saturday. But like, let's be real. New Year's Eve is really the more holidayish portion of the holiday. Like we have New Year's off because New Year's Eve is so crazy. That's really the point, at least in America is what I, I would say. And then um Christmas Eve, same thing. I think Christmas Eve is usually the better part of the holiday than the Christmas Day of. So, uh, other than that, though, it's, I'm glad to be back. I'm uh, I'm starting to get the football lemaze, if you will. The playoffs are coming. Uh, teams are out. You know, my team is out. Uh, but I'm like, I'm still like, it, it's not that the Browns are out that would make me like. It, it's just always this time of year, whether they're in or out. Like last year, this time of year. I was still very like, I mean, like again, like it definitely felt like there was more hope for the Browns last year this time of year, but uh, it, it's just like you're you're in that zone of like, you know, football's coming to its end. We're getting more to the exciting off season aspect of football where it becomes a uh, off season storylines of trades and free agency, and like the playoffs are fun, but it's a one game thing and not all playoff games are super spectacular. Uh, hello, Nickelodeon and the, the Chicago bears game and the saints last year. But like, you know, it's still an enjoyable process to an extent. Like I'm like, I still like watching them. It's just, it's not as like, there, there's not as much to gain from it, I guess in some regard, like, again, there's not a fantasy aspect. There's not a draft aspect. It's just like sit here and watch these teams especially if your team itself is not in the playoffs. So, you know, it, I the thing I love during the season is that you have that ability to switch between 15 games on a Sunday or whatever, like a dozen games on a Sunday that are like, oh, this is fun. This is interesting. This is going on. Oh, look, Kelsey got a touchdown. Uh, Jonathan Williams just ran for 60 yards. Like, I'm, I'm very much, I love the red zone for that reason. I love being able to go out to a bar and kind of go ahead and watch and like, oh, there's something going on there. Oh, there's something going on there. So it, it's nice that like, but I do like the discharge of football. Like what makes football so great is that you have to long for the actual game for about eight months. So I think that actually is a good aspect of football, even as they keep on trying to extend the season uh, and, and create more with it. I think it, the, the good part of it is, you know, it's like the McRib. It's like, it comes around and you're like, Oh, it's here finally. And then you're, you're watching it and you're going like, all right, I'm enjoying this stuff. It's a, it's a nice, you know, but then, like, you get to, like, halfway through the season or two-thirds of the way through the season or the end of the season, and you go, I could go for a couple of months without this right now. I need the off-season hopey, joy storylines of the draft and free agency. Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, as a Jets fan, the off-season is the best part. Um, the hope uh, certainly keeps you interested. But um, as we get started... Um, for any new viewers, we're now obviously on Roku. I know the episode isn't going out live on Roku, but for any viewers that are, um, thank you for joining us um, here at Let's Talk Sports Weeks and um, Fun Chat. So we're glad to be on this journey with you and are intrigued um, to get even more 
voices in the community as we go forward. Yeah, we uh, they, let's talk sports as a bunch of shows. I don't know if they cover all the sports. I don't know. You guys have the um, what's that game with the the curling? That is, is there is there a curling? Let's talk sports uh, show. I don't. That feels like uh, yes. like that has a huge viewership right now. I'm going to say, um, that's probably one sport we don't have, um, uh, very few we don't cover, but, um, there's always next week, you never know what shows will crop up, um, and we have lots of, um, probably... Dan, if you want a curling show on Let's Talk Sports. Yeah, uh, every market will be covered, um, at one point, um... So there's been a lot of interesting storylines in the NFL. Probably the biggest talking point last weekend was Antonio Brown, and we've talked about him several times on this show. Um, so his stint in Tampa is over, um, stripped off during the, show, during the game, and... Um, left essentially speaking depending whose side of the story you listen to Antonio Brown or Bruce Arian um either he refused to go back in or he was too injured uh, what was your thoughts on this road yeah um I remember when it happened and it was kind of weird and also he's taking <laughs> yeah. his shirt off at, in you know MetLife Stadium and jumping around in the 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 end zone and walking out and that was kind of interesting. And then everybody's reaction was like, is it CTE? Is it CTE? It seems like a CTE thing. And then, but like, you know, people also don't, you know, people underestimate the fact that he might just be an asshole too. Um, yeah. So may or, he may not be like, I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm not saying it is or isn't CTE. The story right now is, and there's two different camps of stories, right? You got Bruce Arians, story, which is, he seemed to be mad about the targets he was getting. Like, he still wasn't getting enough yeah. targets. Meanwhile, his target share when he was on the field by snap percentage was like 30%, which is a very high target share for the amount of snaps he was playing in those games. And, uh, like, even when he was with the Steelers, I think he was only getting like 20, 28% of the targets when he was on the field. So, and that was the highest he ever got. So that was the one story is that he just wasn't getting the targets he wanted. Bruce Aaron, you know, and Antonio Brown's story is my ankle hurt. I said my ankle hurt. I mispracticed my ankle hurting. I was having a hard time cutting. There is some evidence that, yes, the ankle is part of that whole deal. But it's kind of weird because, it, you know, people go, well, he jumped off the field. Oh, he just ran around the other, you know, right before that. Um I think it can go either way. I don't know how bad the damage is to the ankle. He said he had an MRI that showed damage, but he didn't release the MRI. Not that he has to release the MRI. But then when he finally got released, Jason Light, the GM, came out and said, yeah, we tried sending him for two MRIs when he was in New York, and he wouldn't go to them, and he skipped them. So we can't put him on IR because we don't have the medical diagnosis, and we can't deal. And he would have gotten paid for the rest of the year for that. But since he didn't get the MRIs and he didn't want to go on, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, cooperating. Fine. We'll release him and let him go. And that's about it. And then, you know, his story is it's my ankle. Their story is I don't think it's the ankle because he didn't say anything to the trainers. He didn't say anything to Bruce Arians about the ankle in game. You know, yes, he mispracticed that week with the ankle. And, you know, it just seemed like there was a lot of butting heads at that last moment. It felt like the last straw. 
He was a guy who had yeah. like a no strike policy kind of left on him. And, uh, you know, I think with Bruce Arians, he was just kind of tired of dealing with it. I agree. Point. I agree. I, how I'd look at it, I don't think he ever really wanted him, but obviously Tom Brady wanted him there and the front office went down that route. And I think it just got to a stage where Arians had had just enough of him and maybe even needled him a little bit to the extent that he would walk I think he just had enough he didn't want to go into this postseason run with Antonio Brown being a distraction so essentially he wanted rid of him and that's what happened and I don't even blame him for that um if his ankle was injured why wouldn't you go for the scans and I agree with you it could just be as simple as rather than any head injury. It could just be a dick. And that's certainly why I believe if you look at the history, like his time with the Raiders, um, obviously how his stint with Pittsburgh ended. I'm going to be honest, I don't know how Mike Thompson managed to keep him on task for as long as he did, and if you look into like some of his history, it does seem like after a certain time in Pittsburgh, he maybe had a complete change of personality or persona. I can't say if it's mental health, you don't know, and I know some people do say that, but the reality is, even if that is the case, he did have the option of saying about his mental health, and he wants to take some time away from the game, but he didn't go down that course of action. So if he reports to the game, he's got to play, whether it's his ankle or mental health. So the reality is he may have played his last um, game in the league. I'm not sure. I know he's now been raved with someone else pick him up. But then if that does happen, well, he's saying he's got an injured ankle. Well, why would he take up that opportunity if his ankle's injured and should have been on IR? Yeah, I mean, you know, you never know. You never know the extent of an injury no. again. But, like, without the MRIs, you just really don't know. Um, I don't know what team would pick him up at this point, right? No. You know, Tampa Bay it was kind of the last one that would maybe deal with that kind of craziness. You know, he didn't fit in with the Patriots. Patriots got rid of him. I don't think they'd want him back in the locker room. The Chiefs, if they had a major injury to like one of their star two wide receiver, their star two pass catchers, maybe. But I don't know. Would I? It would. Would would uh, Andy Reid really want to deal with that at that point? I feel like I that's kind of interesting. Also, um, like some people said, could the Packers add him? Can you imagine having a dressing room of the ego of Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown. Does anyone want that headache in their organization? So, whereas would he improve that receiving core? Probably, but do you want to uh, have those t two egos butt heads? And to be honest with you, I'm not sure. Yeah, that'd be uh, well. even scarier because, like, both those guys seem to have some some real like vaccination COVID <laughs> questions with them. You know, one guy's faking his COVID vaccine card; the other one is like, "Well, I'm immunized." 
So from licking doorknobs or whatever else he's been doing. So like, do you really want both those sounding boards in a locker room? You know, right now he's trashing Tom Brady being like, I'm not friends with Tom Brady, Tom, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, you're a friend. If you're a football player, if you're a good football player, I could be your friend is what the Tom Brady thing is. And he, you know, he's saying Tom Brady's the GM in, in the Buccaneers organization and, it seems like, you know, again, like he started releasing text messages from Tom Brady, from the trainer that, you know, the two of them, I guess, know. Like Tom Brady's like Guerrero guy. So end of the day, I feel like this might be the last time we hear from Antonio Brown as far as the NFL, unless there's like a really desperate team. I can't see the Packers bring him in just because of the headache in the locker room aspect of it. Um and I feel like he's not going to go to a team that sucks anyway. So, like, the teams that I could see doing it, uh, like, you know, a desperate team. I mean, at this stage, even if you're desperate, unless you're in the playoffs, why would you sign him? Yeah, I agree. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm sure um, we'll talk about him again in upcoming weeks because he's sort of the gift what keeps giving. There's always something. Um so Cleveland, um, they're out of the We had Eagles, we had Jets. To make it even, we'll uh, talk about the Jets afterwards. But um, what's your views on the end of the season? I know it wasn't the end what maybe Cleveland fans wanted, but my take on the season is it's just one of those seasons where you've had a lot of injuries and you had a great season last year in the playoffs and so forth and the luck just didn't really go your way you've had not only had injuries you've had uh um receiver with um shall we say a big ego um forcing his way out and just nothing too much has gone right for two long and it just wasn't your season if that makes sense yeah, um that could go wrong did go wrong and yeah w- the thing is is that like you can maybe overcome some of these things i think but it was the all. combination of things there were uh the they had the uh they had the least amount of players to start every game like consistently now, granted, part of that might be considered also the COVID thing, where they had half their team out on COVID in the Raiders game, including they were playing their third-string quarterback, which, again, when you actually throw that in there, that that COVID situation really screwed them. So you have the COVID thing going on where they lost half their roster to a Raiders game. Uh, you toss in there, and they were playing their third-string quarterback. They, you know, their quarterback who the last few weeks, the last two games that he played did not look good, but also did not get to practice for two weeks prior to that. Well, he's been playing this whole season with a a a torn labrum in his left shoulder. His throwing motion is like very full body. He's not like, uh, you know, he's got he's got a very uh, different throwing motion than every other and a lot of other quarterbacks, a very, you know, drive the ball like speed ball, full body motion guy. So. You know, he hurt his, you know, he hurt his shoulder in week two. It progressively got worse. It, you know, there was the, the the Arizona game where he got hurt even worse. It caused a fracture in the shoulder bone. Um, and then they, they went out and got a second opinion on the shoulder. So it was clearly, you know, 
the season was not going great for them, just even for the first half of the season. Uh, even just when you look at Baker Mayfield's injuries for the first half of the season, the, just the shoulder alone kept on getting worse. And then you look at the heel that he had that he suffered right after the Bengals game. He had a knee issue uh, around that same time. Both those never really got time to heal until the bye week and or even the week before the bye week. But even in that case, it was, you know, you had the wide receiving core that couldn't catch anything. You know, you have the tight, you have the high end tight end, the highly paid tight end who couldn't catch anything. You have Baker Mayfield missing practices because he has a heel, a foot, a groin, you know, everything going on lower body wise on both sides of his body. So, you know, he severely regressed by the end of the season because of the injuries, because of the lack of practice time, because you're adjusting to having a shoulder harness on that, like you were not used to wearing for the last 20, you know, the last 15 years you've been playing football. So now all of a sudden you got to wear a shoulder harness and you got to adjust your throwing motion. And by the time we got to the Packers game, by the time we got to the Steelers game where they looked like totally the whole team looked miserable because they were already out of the playoffs the second they lost the Packers game, which again, like they were kind of screwed by the end of the season. And like you said, the injuries just wrecked them. You know, Jack Conklin going down with the, both an elbow earlier in the season, went on IR, came back first game back towards patella tendon so that hurt them right there the the left tackle uh which again this offensive line was considered the strength of this team well the left tackle rolled his ankle week one and they kept on trying to rush him back which is not really how they handled shit last year but because their swing tackle got injured got injured week one as well and went on ir week two they were really in a bind because they really didn't have like how many teams have a fourth or fifth string left tackle on their roster you know, they tried to rush Wills back. That didn't work. Eventually let him heal up. They played Blake Hance, really what is a guy who's really more of a guard or a center in the NFL, out of position at points at left tackle and right tackle. They have a uh, Hudson, who's a kid they drafted in the fourth round, who only relatively recently started playing tackle um, and was really more of a developmental project. He ended up playing right tackle for them at the end of the year. And another guy who had a mispractice reps because he went on the COVID list too, and it was, you know, it continued to devolve into a weird, not great situation um, on the offensive line. The interior trio, for the most part, played pretty well. But, you know, interior offensive line, while very consistent uh, if they play at a high level, is still not like the biggest difference maker of all things. You know, and, and again, they've, they've had their own problems at certain points. So... You know, the offensive line wasn't looking good. And then you mentioned the whole thing with the celebrity wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., who's had in six games with the Rams, 16 more yards than he did in the six games with the Browns. But because he's catching some of those passes near the end zone, he's getting a lot more, you know, prop for what he's doing, even though he really hasn't changed much. And in fact, has caused multiple interceptions, in, in, you know, from his own game in those games as well. Uh even so to the point where Sean, uh, Sean McVay kind of didn't call him out by name, but referenced him like in in a postgame uh, interview and said like, oh, no, he was supposed to run uh, a different route and he caused a pick six. He didn't mention him by name, but there is an art. There's a couple of articles out there saying that he was specifically referencing the wide receiver two on that play who was supposed to run this route and ran that route. And if you look at the play, Odell Beckham. So, you know, Sean McVay is a little bit more uh, tenured than uh, than Stefanski. He's also a little bit more in your face sometimes. 
uh, if you fuck up. And so he, you know, and again, they, you know, Odell came to them to play. He wanted to be in L.A. So it's a little bit different of a situation there. So, you know, people are going to give him credit because he got four or five touchdowns in the games that he's been with L.A., but he's had the same amount of yardage in all these games. He had almost like the identical yardage in the game against the Cardinals as he did against the Cardinals, you know, in Cleveland. He, you know, not to say he can't get better and maybe a year or so into that system, he will be back to his old, old, Odell old self. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think he wants to be in L.A. I think he wanted to be in L.A. from the beginning. I think he want, you know, it's he wants to be there. Who Who doesn't want to be in L.A.? So. You know, he's kind of a celebrity wide receiver. I think that's fine, but the problem is it created a huge locker room issue for yeah. Baker Mayfield, for the Browns, because you had this kind of, you know, I think we talked about before, orchestrated ex- exit where multiple times he tried getting out of that, that, that team. He did not want to be there. He wanted to be out of there since, like, the summer, which is kind of weird when you're on a playoff contending team and you are trying to force your way out after publicly saying you wanted to be on that team. And like, it, it's kind of a little bit of a back and forth. Like it, it's kind of like having both like your feet both in and out of the fire. The, uh, the GM alluded to it a little bit when he eventually left. Uh, Andrew Barry kind of hinted that this was not just, you know, the week that Odell had requested a trade right before the trade deadline on Sunday. And then his dad tweeting, a, you know, Instagramming a video and LeBron tweeting and call, you know, and causing issues for Baker Mayfield. And again, like, you know, it's, it became a very public trauma, and I think that didn't help Baker Mayfield. There's clearly players in the locker room who are very pro Odell because Odell's a very fun, nice guy. Like he's a very uh, personable guy, and I think that created an issue in the locker room because you have some guys who, you know, the the interesting thing. First off, you know, his best friend is Jarvis Landry, and that was Baker Mayfield's best friend on the team before Odell came in. It's like your friend. It's like your two best friends, the friend from camp and the friend from school. And, and and Jarvis is the kid that's friends with both of them, but they don't get along. And it's like, that's kind of a weird situation to be in when you're that friend and you're like, well, who do I feel like, you know, and Jarvis wasn't healthy this year either. He missed four weeks on IR from a knee injury that he really never came back from until maybe after the bye week, at which point this team was basically over at that point. Like until after the Raiders game, you know, they beat the Ravens and then they got to the Raiders game and they were playing, you know, a third string quarterback and a mess there. And, by the time they got to the Packers, their season was like next to over, and it, it, it didn't. Maybe they they weren't aware of it. Nobody was aware of it. But again, like the wide receiving core, it, it's young. It's a sixth round draft pick from a year ago, uh, being the wide receiver one in Donovan Peoples Jones. You had uh, you know a, a third round pick in Anthony Schwartz. They have not spent a draft pick uh, in the first round on a wide receiver since Corey Coleman. They haven't spent a second round pick on a wide receiver in I don't know a long time. Uh, so, you know, you know, we're, we'd have to go back several administrations of this team. So they haven't spent like a lot of assets on wide receiver, mainly because they thought they had the assets set. They had Odell Beckham, which did count as like an asset spent on wide receiver. You just spent multiple assets to get him. You traded away players, you traded away picks, you're paying a $15 million year contract. Um, Jarvis Landry is the same way. You spent a fourth round pick in the trade. You extended him and gave him a $15 million a year contract. Now he's towards the end of his career. He doesn't really fit the system. He might be gone after the season. Uh, and I have some you know, ideas for free agency and how they can address that. 
But uh, again, now you have Baker Mayfield. You know, there's a lot of talk right now with the interpersonal conflicts that are going on with that team. You know, there was uh, an article by Mary Kay Cabot. I'm going to I might do like a video essay on this just because it's such an interesting thing about media literacy and the sports world and paywalls. And it's kind of an interesting kind of concept. And a lot of the talk about Baker Mayfield there, you know, that she wrote an article saying Baker Mayfield uh, will contemplate, you know, uh, requesting a trade. And it was very decisive wording. And like again, like she, you know, and Baker Mayfield called her out on it and said, I've never talked yeah. to this person. I have not asked for a trade. You know, it's so, you know, now you have outside media kind of hurting your, yeah. your, your, Christian uh, people thinking that you're leaking this information, even though Baker Mayfield never talks to Cleveland media. You know, anything about Baker Mayfield's been usually leaked through Jay Glazer or Kurt Warner or like these like national media people. He does not um, go to Cleveland media, he goes national. He's like, I'm Baker Mayfield. I'm going national. Um, I have commercial. Well, I did see some of that. I also saw him treat out, don't put words in my mouth what I haven't said just to put bread on your table or something along those lines. And it's interesting. There's very much a similar thing going on in New York that um, why does the beat try and tear down a young quarterback and you don't see, like, the media and say Jacksonville doing it with Lawrence and there's very much a topic of conversation of what about Zach some Wilson? of the new uh, yeah about boycotting the bee and maybe holding the New York press accountable so it sounds like a similar thing with what's going on with Cleveland and I think it is interesting it, it's for day and age. The New York press is, I don't think New York press is nearly as bad as Cleveland. Like, cause remember like I'm in New Jersey, like I am aware of the New York press and I just don't feel like, like they have some people su that suck. Manish Mehta. I mean, he had a whole drama thing a year ago where <laughs> yeah. they actually took away his credentials. Um, you know, I actually think Zach Wilson's played better the last few weeks. Uh, I, I love Robert Sala as a head coach for the jets. And I think that team is just going to continue to grow and build. Um, I, and I was on a show and I, I went over this whole jet situation with a friend of mine, Jesse Montanez. Yeah. Uh, he won't, he's going to be doing a thing where he's talking about New York sports media. He's a comedian. And I went on his thing is on his YouTube channel. And we talked, I think did like an hour or two hours of talking about the jets and the giants and all this different stuff. And this was before, this was a couple weeks ago. So this is before, you know, Zach Wilson had a run of a couple of games. And I said, you know, quarterback, quarterback development is not linear. You know, Josh Allen, the guy who everybody's going, look at Josh Allen, he's amazing. You know, he looked horrible his first two years. He did not look good. Yeah. And then he developed, and they ran a system, and it, he had consistency around him. So, you know, I think Zach Wilson has a chance to be very good in the NFL. I think yeah. you're seeing him get better. He's starting to learn the system. He's also utilizing his legs a lot more the last couple of weeks. Um, and that was something, actually, I noticed, and I plugged that into that show was I, I addressed that issue where the first like few games before he got injured, you're looking at all this stuff and you're all like, he didn't run much, which was like kind of weird because like when he was in college, he was a very mobile quarterback. Um, and uh, but I, I also think like scrambling and being mobile as a quarterback, there's being smart about it. And I think like what you want, if, if Zach Wilson's going to scramble, you want him to be knowing the offense and scrambling when, oh, it's just not working out. I can go. 
oh, we're in we're in man coverage. They're not paying attention to me. All our guys are covered. I'm going to go ahead and save the day and get like 10 or 15 yards and go out of bounds. That's what I think that's going on here is he's just he's learning and it's it still takes time. This is a complicated offense. Matt Ryan had issues with this offense. Kirk Cousins had issues with his offense. Baker Mayfield had issues with his offense. Even Aaron Rodgers, his first year, did not have a career year in this offense until year two. So this is a very complicated offense. I think it's very well built to his skill set. I just think people have to give him time. Um, And I think, again, like there's a lot of young guys on this roster. I think that they're building something. And I I like the the head coach. I think the play caller, you know, you got to realize they're also all learning. Like it's not everybody is, is a rookie this year. You know, no matter what, it's a rookie head coach. It's a rookie, you know, OC. It's a rookie defensive head, uh, defensive, you know, play caller. A lot of young guys on the roster. Um, the older guys on the roster probably won't be here super long term. You know, the questions about the tackle situation, Morgan Moses, George Fant, you know, Becton didn't really play this season. There's a lot of question marks about if he's going to be on this team in the offseason. Um, I think he will be, but I, you know, that's just an, that's an opinion at that point. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I agree with you. Um, I think with uh, Wilson not using his legs, I think he got too drawn in early on in the season, be a pocket presence for a back play with system. And I think now he's learning that take what's on offer when he needs to, and if nothing else, it takes the pressure off the next down with what he needs to do. And just sort of seeing that a little bit, I'm very happy with his development the last month I think he's had two or three games where they're his best game and then he follows that up with another one and he's just shown different sides of it another key thing is last couple of weeks he's essentially Braxton Bears has been his best receiver so he's managing to um, maybe look good with um, limited weapons, so that's one positive. And his left tackles being out, and then his centers being out, and he's just maybe leading them a bit more. So I, I, I think there's nothing but positivity there. I think the floors had a good season. He struggled his first four to six weeks, but now the play Collins very dynamic in my opinion. They'll only be better a second year in the system. That as you said, they're all sort of rookies. Even the defense has not played well, but the young cornerback room has played as well as you can expect, especially given where you picked them. And as you said, there's a topic of discussion around the tackle room. If I was them, I would try and resign Morgan Moses. I don't know what he can want, but I would not be surprised to see them add a tackle as well in the draft just as a safety net because I do think Beckton probably is going to get injured again. I don't expect him to like get traded away or anything like that, but I think he's just going to be one of these players will get injured. It's a question of where, not if... Um, but they took a gamble on his talent, and um, he has displayed that talent, but health is an issue at this point. He got unlucky with the injury, but I think it will be a topic of discussion. But all in all, I think it has been a successful season, given where they're at, and I'm intrigued to see what happens in free agency and the draft, because I 
do think it's a very important off-season, particularly for Joe Douglas. He, uh, he's only really hit on one or two of his free agent signings, and some of that's down to just health, and that they needs to hit this year. Um, and then have a draft more similar to last year than his first year because that first year draft class is not looking like it's panned out at all. So it's um, going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Hall's looked good. Like, you know, it depends. Yeah. Like, it, you know, one minute we're saying we think Becton looks good. This year he didn't because he was injured the whole time. Um, I think the real question is they have a question that that tackle room because the two tackles that have been there while Becton's been out have both played pretty well. Like George Fant's yeah. played well and Mo Morgan Moses has played well. So the question becomes, well, you have Fant on one more year of a deal at $10 million. You know, are you going to move off of him and kick him out of the room when he's played really well and you could extend him? Um, you know, like you said before, Morgan Moses, they could keep him, you know, for the time being. Uh, extend him probably going to be around the same price of a deal of what they're already paying George Fant, probably you know seven to eight million dollars. I think you'll want eight like million. Nine. I think you could get it for eight, personally speaking. But then that's a question mark. If you know Beckton's got health issues, do you really want to move Fant from left tackle? But even if you move him over to the right, that's a lot of money to pay. Moses, if he starts off as your reserve right tackle, so that's a topic of discussion. To be honest with you, I think you just try and keep all three of them if you can. It's no bad thing to have that much talent there and work it out when you get to camp, but it's going to be an area of discussion. But I do think his health's going to continue to be an issue. Yeah, and there's teams that are probably going to would be maybe making a call about Beckton again, like you know. Yeah especially if they're looking to extend Fant because Fant's played well and hey we have him for 10 million next year we can maybe extend him past next year um and he's developed into a fine left tackle and Morgan Moses again if you're going to extend Morgan Moses you can get a third rounder and maybe like a future pick as well for Becton and then you can you you can probably reinvest that money back into your that money those that those picks back into your team even if it is offensive line this year where you're saying, okay, well, we'll maybe draft another tackle. You know, people might look at it as a failure, but I think that would be like really just trying to refix your asset situation. Because again, if you extend Morgan Moses, you have a right tackle. If you keep Fant at left tackle, you now have a good situation there. Now you could, you know, keep Becton and then be like, Hey, you know, you just got to come and compete for one of those spots, but you then have a lot of assets tied in there. And, you know, if Becton doesn't develop, then, you know, year three or year four, you know, when you get to year four, you know, you've now maybe lost some of the value of Becton, right? Now, all of a sudden, it's like other teams don't have that opportunity to really see what he is. And then are you ever going to be able to recoup that value? There's the uh, the money aspect of it. You know, how, you know, he was a he was a top 15 pick. So he's still going to have some uh, dead cap if you trade him because of the the signing bonus. But um, I think there'll be teams that'll maybe make a call on him. I don't know what people would offer as a trade to get him in, especially with the health issues. Um, but again, like, you know, if you think Fant, if you think you can get by with Fant and Moses, and this is a good tackle class too, uh, the I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is with Becton. Um, I think I'd just be happy that right now you're in a good situation with tackles if you extend 
Moses and you kind of see where you're at with everything else and then just go from there. And yeah, uh, as far as it goes with uh, the rest of the offensive line, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker's looked like he's developed. You know, maybe they need one more interior guy there. Maybe they draft Tyler Linderbaum this year in the draft. Uh, very good center coming out of uh, Iowa. So, again, then you'd continue to complete that offensive line. And although center's not really considered a high-value pick, you know, you have four picks in the top 50 this year. You know, they have a lot of assets yeah. to be able to throw at fixing whatever's wrong with the rest of this roster. You have two picks possibly in the top 10, four in the top 50, that's a lot of assets. That's a lot of nice assets that you can address, you know, edge rusher, corner, safety, wide receiver, offensive line. And they've shown that when they, because they have these extra assets, they're not afraid to move around the board a little bit to go after guys that they really like. Last year with Elijah Vera Tucker, they moved up the board and they traded a couple of third round picks to go ahead and move up the board. They might do that again this year if they see, you know, if they go for their top two guys, maybe they draft a wide receiver in Jamison Williams or Garrett Wilson to to marry with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. And now their wide receiving core is really nice. I mean, even if they bring back Barrios, they're probably moving on from Keelan Cole and definitely moving on from Crowder. So, you know, when you look, then if you add a first round wide receiver, maybe an edge rusher, you know, corner people are going to talk about, but I think safety is another position that they look at this year too. You know, again, just keep trying to build up the depth on that roster. I think, you know, it could be a very fun, cool team going into the future. So I, I, I think the, the Jets are looking up and, you know, I, I think that uh, it's a very cr uh, crucial offseason for, for the Browns. Uh, I, as far as the Giants go, they kind of seem like they're kind of being in shit show, shit show territory with Joe Judge kind of saying things that make me go, well, even if I was going to say maybe keep you before, you've now tried convincing me not to keep you. Meanwhile, yeah, they have the playoffs um, of their first-year head coach. I was going to say, um, the Giants, and I talked about this on my New York sports show, it seems like he's trying to talk his way out of job and also maybe talk his way into tampering charge because... Um, if he's communicating with other teams' players, that seems a little weird in itself. Um, and yeah, yeah um, he either just has to be full of shit, or he's going to create some real problems later on. Yeah, that's what I'm And why would you ring up someone who you're no longer on their team and say, you know what, I really missed miss playing on your team this year? I know I left because you wouldn't pay me what I wanted, but. I wish I could be there and I'd give all this money back. It just seems weird to me. Um, also, and... who, are these, who are these people? It's Wayne Gallman yeah. and Dalvin Tomlinson? Yeah. I was going to say Tomlinson was the one that come to mind for me. I don't know, but um, I guess we'll see. Um, DJ Hill, who got traded to the Bengals? Yeah. The D-tackle room? Which is actually what Gettleman did a good job of building up there? Yeah. Um, just to finish up, so the Eagles, um, not much was expected of them um, this season. And to be honest, I've had a quite good season, as it turns out. That maybe found their quarterback um, of the future, we will see. I think um, Jalen Hurts has had a pretty good season. Uh, Devontae Smith has. Um, and to be honest, 
I think their rookie head coach has looked better as the season went on. Who would have thought if you run the ball, it makes your offense look better? So, how do you view this, uh, their season before we wrap the show up, Roger? They clearly uh, adapted, right? And it was weird because I felt like this adaptation could have came sooner, knowing who Jalen Hurts was. But um, when they realized that he was a lot better as this kind of like read option, you know, designed run quarterback, and hey, we have this good offensive line that's good at run blocking. We have these like running backs in here who are pretty solid. And again, Jalen Hurts is a good runner as well. I think it put them in a good position. I think it gave them a good situation at the time. Um, I'm curious to say if they think that this is like, you know, I know a lot of people and he's had a lot of good moments. So I think he is going to develop more as a passer too. Uh, you know, I, I do think that he, the drafting him was kind of underrated. Uh, do I think they have the quarterback of the future? I'm a little bit more skeptical of it. Um, that doesn't mean that they don't stick with him going into next year. They absolutely probably will. Uh, they have three first round picks. I could see them trying to find ways of building up assets for the following year um, to continue building up this team. And, you know, as they go into this final week of the season and as they have uh, the ability to, you know, and again, like keep in mind, they're in the NFC. They're in a division that's really not good right now um, with the Giants and the Washington football team who kind of seem like they're both in some levels of a mess. Uh, but like again, they they figured themselves out. Their defense looked pretty is looked pretty good at times, you know, with Darius Slay and Steve Nelson and a good defensive line, especially the interior two guys, a Cox and Hargraves. So, you know, I think that team is. I don't know if they're necessarily built to win now. It's nice to make it to the playoffs your first year as a head coach, um, yeah. speaking from experience, because it does buy you a little bit of clout going forward. Um, and again, like they clinched it. I think they clinched it already, too. It's not even like a, a maybe at this point. We're going into the last week of the season. So yeah. kind of nice to have already done that. And as a as the Eagles kind of go, you know, can they continue to build around this run game? Um, you know, what about these wide receivers here with Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager? Are they going to try and get them more utilized in this kind of this run game as well? Will this offense grow around the run with uh Jalen Hurts. I, I, I absolutely think they run it back next year with Hurts. Uh, they do have Gardner Minshew there. Um, I'm curious if they try to move on, you know, move him a little bit, or just keep him in the room, or whatever they think they can get with him. Um, I thought that was a good pickup for them from uh, the Jaguars. The fact that they have both those guys there. I think they're going to try and build up the rest of the talent on this team, and you know, just the fact that they made it to the playoffs, I think, was impressive. I think Nick Sirianni adapting to what I thought this offense would have done well from the beginning was at least smart and just see, you know, and, you know, you get to see like, okay, like, well, let's do it like this. Okay. It didn't work. We'll go like that way. So uh, it was nice to see them kind of develop this run game. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think the Eagles have been a very good team at finding talent, developing talent and continuing with it. I know a lot of people wanted Howie Roseman out last year. Oh, he's a cancer. He's horrible. And like I said, I think he got a lot of flack in a way that probably wasn't, wasn't right and now you look at this year and they're going into the offseason with three first round picks a playoff berth um kind of a nice situation with like okay at least we have a guy at quarterback who maybe he's not top 10 maybe he is top 10 maybe he could develop into top 10 but we're seeing something develop around him 
and we will continue to grow with that. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting in this division. If you hit on those three first round picks, then they could who knows what they can do next year. So it's going to be interesting, even if they do, um, like you say, make the picks or maybe move one of them into next year we will see um and i'm sure their side will profile heading into draft time and um, but that just about wraps up today's episode of learned to thank you for joining me today roger thank you for having me thank you guys for tuning in this was fun um my uh and go ahead and check out the roku the facebook the youtube uh i'm on the youtube on my own channel as well i'll be posting more content as we get into the off season and um and make sure to follow the the group everybody join the let's talk sports group uh i i'm excited for the 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 playoffs and the off season some of the storylines I have been looking into maybe going to the Senior Bowl down in uh, Mobile, Alabama. I'll be checking into that, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that going forward. And beyond all that, thank you for having me, and uh, take care, everybody. Yeah, thank you to everyone for watching. We'll be back next week. And until then, thanks for watching this Talk Sport.